Welcome to another episode of Adoption, The Making of Me. I'm Louise Brown. And I'm Sarah Reinhardt. Make sure to find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook as Adoption, The Making of Me podcast. You can also find us at our website, adoptionthemakingofme.com. And please remember to subscribe, share, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you. Hi, Louise. Hi, Sarah. How are you? I'm doing all right. How are you? Good. I liked catching up with you this morning. We had some good laughs. (laughs) I did too. All about my dog park today. Yeah. I'm shaking that off. (laughs) And here we are for, I guess this will kind of be the penultimate discussion about this book because there's only a tiny bit left. Yeah. We've gone fast through it since we're doing it more in a theme Mm -hmm. situation. So here it is. Who am I really? by our friend Damon Davis. I guess what we read today kind of touches on loss, right? I felt it was a lot about loss because it's about his birth mother, Anne, and how he has and this- his birth right. and his adoptive father. He's and his adopted father. Two losses right in a row. Yeah, right in a row. And I think they're very significant because they're both really important. His dad had a big role in his upbringing, how he thought about himself. And then Anne, of course, that was huge for him, obviously. And birth mother, yeah. Mm-hmm. It brought up a lot of feelings. If the reader reads it, it's all about Anne's journey and what she had to go through. And I liked how he really got in there about the bio mom, how she suffered. Mm-hmm. That, you know, when people talk about their kids, like you and I talk about our kids together as friends and how are they or what, and just, not knowing and and wondering. And I like as a man that he could feel that for her. Like, he had like, that empathy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dan yeah. does have a lot of empathy. He does. He's such a sweet person. And, and he got a lot of kindness from her because that was mm-hmm. the whole thing when she died, like all about who she was in the world and her kindness and such a sweet person. And just, you know, she really suffered. And, and they didn't have a ton of time together. So no. at least he had some. A yeah. lot of I know I, I thought about you and about me both in this because I was thinking he had five years with Anne. And recently I've gotten to know some of my mom's side, my bio mom's side better. And I'm just really missing that I didn't get to know who Linda was in person. I have to pull it from other people and all these people I'm investigating to know who she was. And I feel like I know her, but I don't know her. Like inherently, I know her. And then I think about you and you met Tilda, but how do you feel? Yeah. About well, I mean, I had 11 years with her and I was not quote unquote out of the fog as, as it's mm-hmm. called. So I spent a lot of time pushing her away or having guilty feelings about having her in my life in the first place because of adoptive parents and all that. And then there were times when I would let her in, but I wish that I had been more I've talked about this before, mm-hmm. open-hearted with her. And I think in the last year or two years, I did sort of start to let my walls down and could enjoy her for who she was rather than having all these other weird feelings. And, you know, it's maybe I had some angry feelings that I wasn't in touch with yeah. you know, about being relinquished. Although I know that it wasn't her choice to do so. It was kind of forced upon her. So. I have the same thing. I sort of push people away and now I'm like, you know, I mean, it wouldn't have helped in my situation, but just, I feel like I have lost some time. And now I, I'm at the point where I'm like, gosh, if I could have known now, I'd really be so healthy about it. 
Yes, right? exactly. And I like that Damon had the nice positive five years. It's it's a sweet story and she sounds like just an amazing person. Yeah, I'm glad he had that. And he, I think he's very upfront about all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we have one more discussion, as we mentioned, with Damon's book next yeah, week. We, we do. So we have a great guest coming up and someone special to you. Yes, she is one of my closest longtime friends. So really excited that we have her. Me too. I'm excited to hear her story because knowing her, I'm like, wow, you know, you don't even put this together. So this will yeah. be cool. Yeah, right. she's incredible. All right. Well, I'll see you soon. See you soon. Hi, listeners. We just wanted to thank our sponsor, S12F. He's a fellow adoptee dedicated to supporting other adoptees. And of course, we want to thank our Patreons. We couldn't do this weekly podcast without your support. We're so happy to be able to get these important stories out there. Thanks again. Don't forget to subscribe and share. Now back to our guest. Hi, everybody. I am super excited about our guest today. I don't even know what to say about her. She is one of my longest time friends. She was the first adoptee I knew and we talked about it and I've just, we were roommates. We knew each other in New York when we were teenagers, just what to say. So I'm going to just leave it there and more will be revealed. Here is Shari Geitzenauer coming to us from Arizona, the beautiful Arizona. Yay. Welcome, Shari. I'm excited to see you as well. Yeah. Good to see you and hear you as well. Oh, welcome. Thank you. Sarah and I go back a long ways and we have a lot of history together. So to be on this show right now is kind of mind blowing and such an honor. I mean, wow, Sarah, you've come <laughs> such a long way. <laughs> oh, as have you. I mean, we're part of the good team now. Yes. <laughs> I mean, yeah. we are like family, all three of us. But I mean, yeah, yeah. I do. I feel sometimes when I, over the years when we've talked and I would feel your fear about something, I would actually feel that, understand how yes. you know, just, we have a lot of, a lot of history, a lot of love. Yeah. A lot of love. Whenever you guys were together, I could feel that. I love yeah. it. And none of us live in LA anymore. We've all left. Oh, you did. Yep. Louise. I didn't mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All Where three of us. Now? I'm up on the central coast. So three hours North, like Morrow Bay area. Wow, I had no idea. Yeah. Well, I know. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us your start from the beginning. Okay. Well, this morning I kind of, well, the last few days, I'll lie. Um, <laughs> I've been kind of reviewing it. And this morning I was like, well, where do I start? And I'm like, well, start when you were born and mm-hmm. go from there, right? <laughs> yes. Okay. So I was born in, I believe, Cherry Hill, New Jersey but then brought to Philadelphia in a hospital called the Deborah Hospital, so I'm told. And I was placed there because I had a lot of physical ailments. I had paralyzed legs and kind of deformed. They were kind of like knock-kneed, and I needed later on special plates in my shoes. But the ailments went away by the time I was five. I had a lot of heart problems, kidney things. I had to take huge horse pills because my kidneys, my liver weren't functioning properly. I had 
some so some issues that I needed the hospital for. Do you know yeah. what the issues were a result of? Yeah, my birth mom was 14 when she had me. Mm. So there was a lot of complications. Imagine, I mean, I see 14-year-olds now. Right. They're mm. teeny weeny. Yeah. Got teeny weeny little hips, poor little things. <laughs> They're yeah. just so scrawny. Developed. Yeah. Yeah. So that was where life started for me. And so I was in the hospital for a year. And then after that, I visited many foster homes and like things of that because I wasn't, I guess, easily placed because I had a lot of physical ailments. So what I was told is it was a little bit expensive. You know, it needed I wasn't adopted till I was four. I remember going to several different locations and I was remembering this morning this I think I was around three I was with this old lady and I loved her I actually cried when I thought about it because she she probably was the biggest amount of love I ever had Hmm. she was so pure but she couldn't keep me because she was too old and I remember visualizing the station wagon and when I saw that station wagon (laughs) knowing the times it meant they're coming to pick me up again and bring me somewhere else. And I was screaming and crying. And I remember seeing my little bike with the tricycle wheels, the training wheels and crying, like they're picking it up, putting it in the car. I'm like, no, because it meant I was leaving this sweet old lady and I felt love from her. And I have been to several other places, but they were kind of gross. They had no business fostering children you know I look back now and go wow you know what a bunch of creeps it wasn't pleasant so I was finally adopted at the age of four one day before my birthday so I turned for the very next day I was super excited because I was like yay I'm going to be adopted and I remember like this happiness they picked me up and I was chatty and they gave me all my favorite foods I loved grilled cheese I loved chocolate pudding <laughs> I was so excited <laughs> I couldn't stop putting the chocolate pudding when I was eating it all over my face I was happy they gave me tons of presents that made me even <laughs> happier like you know, like and there began my journey with this family. My mom couldn't have children. She wanted children so badly. My dad kind of went along with it, you know, like, okay, you want children. I had an older brother that I mean, when I moved into this house, he was already adopted, but from another family. Okay. So he was adopted too. He was adopted too, but from another family, five years older than me. He was just fragile and wounded. I remember having a lot of compassion for him and kids would beat him up in school Mm. and stuff and I'd always be screaming at the people beating him up because we'd walk home sometimes together and hence started my whole path of wanting to save everybody and justice so were you the two of you were close you and your brother he was not close with me he did not know how to be close he was kind of he was an idiot (laughs) you know too Mm -hmm. you know he was he too was adopted and had his issues and yes he was very wounded i remember those early days of where my eating to save people came from watching the kids beat him up and i'd be screaming and like wanting it hurt me you know now, were you guys in New Jersey at this point? Or That's you- what I was going to ask. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. We moved to New Jersey. We we're all in New Jersey in a little 
you know, town that was very humble. And, you know, you walked miles to get to school, you know. And I think back now, you would never let your kids walk that far to school on their own. We're like, no way. But that was just the times. Yeah. Yep. And yeah, where do I start with my mother? My dad felt very absent. My mom was very not well. I'm looking back and were they older parents? Yeah. For I think they were maybe 10 years older. Maybe my mom never talked about her age, but I'm gathering there. They were like maybe early 40s, Mm -hmm. 40s, which is older for then, especially. Right. Yeah. Yeah. My mom is a whole story in itself. I mean, she was not. Well, she was extremely wounded from her childhood and never dealt with anything. So I was definitely uh, used to almost take her stuff like out a, on. Like a yeah. fix. No, like, uh, like a punching bag type thing. Punching bag. Mm-hmm. Both, you know, this started also my journey as well. It was, you know, I, I talked about it in a blog recently, but I had a long struggle in my childhood. My childhood made me, however, into what I am today, but it was not an easy childhood. I was starting to run away at the age of eight mm. and and afterwards was taken out of my home around the age of maybe 13 or 14. Like, why is this girl running away? And then put into the court system. And who came to take you, did the school notice or teachers or something? Well, the thing was, is when I really, like, it was like, there's a problem here. Mm-hmm. And there were some the teachers that kind of stepped up. There was a social worker in school that said, I want you to meet with your mom and talk things through. And I had run away. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't want to. And she promised me it'll be okay. It'll be okay. I'm here. I'll take care of you. When my mom came into that office, my adopted mom, she clearly had no idea what she was dealing and froze. And I ended up running out of the meeting. You know, it was like, this is a monster, you know, and she just froze up. She was petrified. And I basically never went back home again. And that was mm. when I was 13. So where did you I, go? You, did you go into a foster home or? I didn't go into a foster home. I went into what they call the children's system. Mm, right. Which was, well, at first I went into what was called a gin shelter, juvenile in need of supervision. Mm-hmm. And there people always feel sad for my story. I go, no, 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 no. This is where I started to find, I started to accelerate. I really started to find they really took every single gift of mine and celebrated it, whatever it was. Like, I love to cook. I was obsessed with cooking. And they go, oh, you're amazing. And I like to cut people's hair. And they let me cut everybody's hair. And (laughs) we made little video. It was where life started for me, I feel. But what happened was, is I started talking to one of the counselors there about my childhood. She had to tell the headquarters and they had to press charges. and. Yeah. And I did not want this. I was, isn't that funny how we want to stick up for the Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I didn't really talk about my story publicly really until I knew she passed. That's why I wrote that blog when I knew she had passed. It was like a, out of respect. Isn't that crazy? That's so common to take care. Yeah. And you're, and you're a healer and a protector anyway, but it's, it's so common. <laughs> it's so common yeah. among adoptees to look out for everybody else, but ourselves. Yeah, as I'm gathering from all your interviews, wow, I'm getting a piece from every single one, anyone I listen to. Mm -hmm. I'm like, 
I get something huge from. So I had to meet her in court and things like that. It was frightening. That's terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. And where was your brother at this point? Yeah, that's. He left home when, because he was five years older than me and I didn't hear from him for years. And then randomly he'll like, oh, hey, it's your brother, you know, and just kind of randomly find me and call up and you're like thinking you're picking up the phone to your friend from down the road and you're it's like hey it's your brother like hi well again he was my adopted brother from his family and that was that he kind of disappeared and reappeared whenever randomly so so you had to see her in court and where was your adoptive father at this point Exactly. That's (laughs) what everybody over the years have always said like where was your dad in all this? And it was I don't know. He was a, I don't know. He checked out, he would show up, but he was kind of like the guy that came in and everybody liked and schmoozed and made things nice, made jokes in the courtroom. And she was just this kind of cuckoo woman. And I basically stayed in this system till I was about 17, where then they allowed for me to go with another kid in the system and get a little apartment. At 17? Yeah. I wanted to be a chef, so I worked in kitchens at the time. I was obsessed. I loved it. It was hard work, but I began to just take care of myself. It's funny. People think I'm, for some reason, like this spoiled girl. I'm like, if you only knew. (laughs) (laughs) No, I am not. (laughs) Spoiled is not my story. Yeah, no, I started working. That Well, I was already working at 14, really, but this I was fully surviving on my own and paying rent. And since I was 17... Yeah. And I started working on myself, you know, going to self-help things. I did, when I was younger, have a problem with drinking and drugs, of course. And I kind of thought that everything was my fault. So at the age of 25, I met with her to make peace because I was the bad one. I was going to make peace. So I went there and we started to talk and she kind of charged at me to attack me. Oh my goodness. Like physically? Yeah. And I looked at her like, you got to be kidding me. Really? I'm bigger now and I'm taller than you. And I have years of anger towards you. I'm going to kill you. (laughs) It was just like, what? And I just. You left her. You were her whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And I did a lot of healing for a lot of years around her. And I understand a lot what was happening with her. Although we don't need to be besties. It's like I have passion and I did a lot of healing there, but we don't need to be best friends. So I basically didn't have anything to do with her after that moment. And I realized this isn't something I can fix. This isn't something that I did. You know, I'm not bad. Right. And I unravel a lot of that bad stuff. And I still have to have conversations with myself around it. Yes. Okay. Remember who you are. You're not bad. You're not perfect, but you're not bad. So there is me at 25. I moved around the world. I got married. I had a very, what would be called on the outside, cool life. I lived in London and it was a very hip, cool life. But around the age of 28, I had, I guess, a nervous breakdown, if you want to call it that. And I always was kind of doing spiritual work. As a child, I was very connected to God. I had a very strong connection to God because I had to. Mm -hmm. And it's how I got through. I just remembered this memory 
yesterday and I can't believe I remembered it. I remember my mom was very into my adopted mom, like going to psychics and healers and stuff like that, which was a cool thing because it made me open opposed to afraid of that. And she said to me when she got back that she was so excited to tell me that my grandmother was with me. As in her mother or your biological grandmother? My biological mother's mother was with me and I knew it. I knew it. And I've always known it. She kind of was there kind of with her hand just guiding me. Mm -hmm. And this is how I got through my connection to spirit, my connection to God, my connection to the spirit world was strong through this. It's how, like I say, how I got through. I don't know why I'm telling that story, but I feel that it's important because it was mm-hmm. how I identified my whole life was through the spiritual realm. Can you, speaking of like your biological grandmother and your, what did you find out about your natural mother? She was 14, but what else did you know? Did you know anything else? Were you given yeah. information? I was given information. Okay, go back. When I was growing up, the good thing about my childhood was that it was always transparent where I was from. I was adopted. There was no shame in the household about being adopted. It was a wonderful thing. And I've heard in this show, it's like, yeah, you were chosen. But it, it was, it was just, I appreciate that it was never weird or icky to the point where, but when I was very little, I was adopted and then shortly baptized afterwards. And so I was confused with the two words adopted and baptized. (laughs) So I remember going to a friend's house and go, I was adopted yesterday. And the mom pulled me aside and said, don't you ever say that out loud again. Oh my God. Yeah, because it was like dirty and secret. Who's this cookie? Yeah, it was like a friend's mom. And I apparently she didn't get the memo that you were chosen. And adoption (laughs) is Exactly. But I was, was, even as a child, I remember thinking, that's weird. You say that, and I have a memory of a parent telling me to not brag about that. It wasn't something good or something. And I'm, yeah. And I got, I told you I got made fun of on the playground and then I punched the kid for calling (laughs) me adopted. I like that about you, Sarah. (laughs) (laughs) I cried. Oh, I just got confused and stayed in my head like, uh, it's a bad thing or good thing. Yeah. And you were, you were equating baptism. You like, so they were like, don't tell anyone you (laughs) were like, you thought it was the baptism. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, like I got because they happened at the same time. I was getting yeah. those confused. <laughs> those are big so, words for a little girl, you know. I know. I was four or five, something, Gosh. either either one, you know, when that memory happened. So yeah, I was told that my real mom was 14. I was told, listen to this, that I was 100% Italian. And later on, I found out that's not true. I found out later on that I'm actually half Native American, but mm-hmm. it was bad in those days yeah it was like taboo and i'm thinking native is the way to go now like that's a cool thing people are all lying <laughs> to say you're native <laughs> you know or dream catchers or you know whatever uh, it was it was shown to me like that in those days uh going back a few years yeah i was like wow that's intense so i always identified with being native in my heart and soul and as well as Italian, you know, I love food and, you know, but so I know that there was shame, 
shame was in my fabric of my being and shame about my skin color because I was always a little bit darker and people were saying, you are so dark. And I had brown eyes, everybody had blue eyes, you know, and all that jazz. And dolls weren't made with brown eyes. <laughs> they had blue eyes. And my mom, at least, you know, she tried to get dolls that had brown eyes like me. My name was a little strange. It was Shari. It was spelled differently, you know, but it was funny how that was the concentration of, but it was deep in my fabric. Mm -hmm. And I now know it was like the shame, the shame, the shame. Mm -hmm. And I was told that I was given up for adoption. It was like hid away by the grandma. I don't know if New Jersey or wherever was where they were from, but that's where I was brought to. Because the grandma kind of hid me away. Mm-hmm. Secret. Hence, I never felt bad about finding my mom. I was really complete. I know she had shame. I, I come, hi, I'm your daughter. Yeah. I'm like the really painful past. Oh, for sure. 14 I'm, is like, I'm sure she yeah. was made to feel so bad. I never felt any connection with my mother, like my real mother. Later on, I felt with my father, but never with my real mother, my birthing mother. So your father, what made you feel the connection to him? Because when I started working with, later became my teacher, who was indigenous from New Zealand, a Maori healer and teacher, mm-hmm. I started to get, feel my ancestry, my roots. I started to go, well, who the hell am I? If I'm not this little hyperactive, scared little girl, I started to feel who I really was coming alive in me fast. And I started to feel a lot of those indigenous roots and ancestry. Which you already had. I mean, I really believe we have that, right? The generational pull to who you are. But there's a lot of things I would just love to share, but I'm just trusting whatever comes out is meant to come out. But our ancestry is everything. Mm-hmm. You know, That's why I just love what you girls are doing. You know, it's just, I love it. It, it explains is, my penchant for the Irish. It's really knowing who you are and just knowing your genealogy. Mine was, well, here I, okay. So it started to pique my interest to know a little bit more of where I came from when I started working with this spiritual teacher that came into my path and that helped me release a lot of darkness from my childhood. I carried a lot, as you remember me as a kid, as a teenager, Sarah, to help me release a lot of that. I needed help with that personally. And um, therapy for me wasn't doing it. It was just the route that found me and took me and had me going in that particular style and fashion. But I did try to find at some point because my stepmom, oh, I ended up getting very close with my adopted father later on when he left my mother. Oh, he, he did, did finally. How old yeah. were he when he left her? When I was 18. Okay. And then he got remarried? He got remarried. And I kind of was close with her. And then maybe a few years later, he had a stroke and never could speak again. And if mm. he did, it was he spoke through language that was, wow, very primitive and like sound bites. And, but he could drive and play chess. I made peace with my father through those years. And, he was uh, probably another victim in the household in some ways. The I, way you say he was, you know, not couldn't. present and he's got this hardcore woman in his life that he's thinking. Yeah, I, I know. know that. 
I was mad at him for years for being weak, but mm-hmm. who could stick up to that? That was like a force of whatever. I feel that, yeah, I started get, and then my stepmother said, I found papers in here of your original last name. I remember this last name. Yeah. <laughs> and I found my real name, which was Charlene Caruso. What was crazy? I don't, this has nothing to do with an adoption story, but my teacher prior to meeting me used to journal about a girl named Charlene. Wow. Yeah. So when I asked him, when I started talking to him about this, that I found my name, he says, I've been journaling about you for years. Wow. Ooh, it gives me chills. I know. That's, I (laughs) I know. So, how did you meet your teacher? I met him because I had. Uh, healing from him because I had such pain in my body and such pain in my soul that I needed something and I was searching mm-hmm. and I met this woman who knew all these healers but you know in LA there's like every kind of people if they knew what they were dealing with so much caca but this resonated with me these Maori healers and I went and I had a healing and they did a, a full-on exorcism on me and he talked about my mom he talked about my childhood and he said, you know, it's time to make peace with it. And I knew it. And he, he talked about your birth mom or your adoptive mom or both adoptive mom. And my, and my whole story, he said, you've had a painful childhood. I said, yes. And that's where this negative spirit came into my body, you know, because they pick on the weak ones, these spirits. If I have any message for adoptees and stuff, you know, to heal on the spiritual level as well, you know, because this is where a lot of the suffering comes in because these attachments come in because we don't know who we are. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a floating. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. With this kind of. So, yeah, a lot of my work with him for seven years was healing this. I can't describe it. This foreverness feeling mm-hmm. you know, of abandonment, like not knowing my place. Whoa, that's intense. Feeling this non-connection. Non-belonging. Yeah. So whenever I get triggered, even to this day, I feel that feeling, but I can anchor myself in. But I feel, you know, it it comes in. And so I have to be my own best friend. Mm -hmm. A lot of inner child work, you know, is, is important. And wow, knowing who you are is (laughs) big time important. I came to a lot of dead ends with every facet of trying to find my parents. Like they they got the name and I I had a private detective and there was just roadblock after roadblock. Did you ever do a DNA test? Yeah, a lot of people, that's what I was just going to say. A lot of people, like even like, I'll pay for it for your birthday. Just come on, get it done. (laughs) And you know what's funny? They never did. I used to like be, okay, I'm open to it. But I don't feel the need anymore. Once I started to really deep dive with my teacher and do my genealogy and travel the timelines through all my, you know, existence. And I went to New Zealand for that. Spent many, many, many weeks with him doing healing work. But yeah, I just felt zero need to do it. And I'm thinking, well, maybe after this podcast, I will. (laughs) It's not that I won't. I just never. Haven't. Yes. Thank you. (laughs) I felt very nervous about doing this because I felt like, well, everybody did 
tried to, and I didn't, you know, so everybody has, you know, everybody has their different journey and Mm -hmm. what they need, different needs, different. Yeah. And there's so many adoptees listening who have not searched and may not ever search. I mean, good in a sense that, yeah, I, maybe I'm speaking to someone. Mm -hmm. Of course you Um, are. But I've heard like a lot of stories. I mean, I don't know if I can mention their names or not. Of course, yeah. I mean, just even Coco. My God. That was so, she called her up and then there was met with click. Yeah. You know, and that guy you had on recently. Garth. Garth. Yeah. I was like, wow. Just, these are powerful stories and i think i somehow intuitively feel that you know there's that maybe my father but my mom no i feel zero it's buried and maybe i might be bringing up an old wound that they can't handle i just felt not to do it it's your intuition about it if it changes it changes if it doesn't that's where you're at you're at peace in your world now. I've known you for a long time and I see that. Thank you. Yeah, my soul is at peace. I have pretty much no answer. I mean, no questions about and don't need any answers from that front today. Mm-hmm. I can feel I'm pretty healthy. I can feel that Italian stock in me, you know, <laughs> and I've got the native <laughs> spirit, you know, I feel. It's a good combo, is- by the way. Yeah. It makes me healthy and strong, and I have such a bad temper. <laughs> well, there. <laughs> yeah, I have a big temper, but it goes through me like wind, and, and it goes out the other side, and I'm over it. I, too, when we lived together, our tempers came out at each <laughs> oh, other. I can <laughs> imagine that. Neither <laughs> like, one of us had any healing on, going on yet. I was going to say so. unhealed anger. <laughs> But the thing is, is like our passions together too. Like we can move a mountain. Yeah. When we're thinking, we're figuring stuff out and talking over girls night, stuff gets done. Mm-hmm. Like we, the I same. It's our girls the, night. <laughs> I do. I really do. Just talking with you and you always had an ability to listen in a way and hear people. Like, I think that's so healing. You listen in a way where people feel seen and heard. Wow. Mm-hmm. These days, no Sarah does. Yes. No right? one listens. No one listens. Yes. No one listens. And she yeah. listens. And you listen, Sarah. My dating life says hello. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's going to change, you know? And that was a big thing. I was single for a long time. And there's a big guys in there, but not really. I needed the right man. Mm-hmm. The right man. And someone wonderful and safe and that's what I tell Sarah there isn't the no one's not no one's lived up to her yet in my opinion so nor did me no offense to all the guys I've known but you know (laughs) to all the guys I've known (laughs) I needed someone to not go away that's right you try to push away and they don't leave you it's like I needed that me too yeah times if I was with a wannabe he would have been long gone, you know? Yeah. I need somebody that's safe and isn't going to go. Mm-hmm. I want to go back real quick to now that you're freely talking about your story because she died. When did you, you had lost touch with her? Years and years. 
someone growing up, all she talked about was wanting to die and die and die and astral traveling and dying and dying. And I'm like, she just died in in September. This past September? Yes. She lived a long time. I'm like, what? And I felt a sadness because I was like, she was alone, you know, because I read the desert obituary. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, wow, it's all alone. I don't want to die alone. (laughs) You know, I was like, I don't want to die alone. I don't want to, I want to, it makes me like, I want to love. I want to have goodness and love and not close off and not let people in. I don't want what she had. How did you find out she died? I was contacted by the insurance company saying that I'm sorry to say, but Jacqueline, they yeah. now are past and she didn't leave her money with anybody, but she left my name. So I'm <laughs> like with next of kin, you know? So I filled out a form and it's anybody else. And I mentioned my brother. Yeah. And then became an interaction on the spiritual realm. And I was like, wow, she really wants me to have this money. It was very touching. And she didn't necessarily apologize, but everything in her existence was humble. And this is on a spiritual plane. I mm-hmm. and was genuinely sorry. And I felt it and I knew it. She knew I was goodness. She knew I was goodness all along. And there was peace. That's, you know, that's- I have chills thinking about what you're saying. Just I've had that spiritual feeling where my biological mom, my adopted parents, I feel like I really had this feeling that they all met and I could feel it after my mom died. I was almost like, wow, they're all there together. I just knew it makes me cry now, but there's no judgment in that realm. Sort of. It's just, you're free of all your, uh, this stuff. I don't know how to explain this stuff, but you know, earthly, It's just a yeah. healing place and people can see everything clearly and that makes Yeah, see it clearly and see it from like not just the human, it's from the bigger perspective. <clears throat> yeah. And that's how I was able to first forgive her and then make peace with her once she left and mm-hmm. wish her well. And there's nothing between us now except nothing. That's so that's freeing. really freeing. Yeah. <laughs> You saying that just feels freeing. It feels lighter. Like you even just. Yeah. It's yeah. A lot. And that's, I mean, my whole story, it sounds, yeah, I don't like to tell my story in a sense. It just is so, it's pretty tragic, but it's not to make people feel sorry, but no. to you know, inspired and to with genuine, sincere work, you can really transform your painful stories. Mm-hmm. No, Mm -hmm. I'm so glad you're telling your story because this will resonate with somebody listening that we may not ever know who that is. And you're not coming in as a victim. Woe is me. It's more just like, this is what happened and this is my journey and this is how Mm -hmm. I've healed from it. And I think if you could give a message to people, like what would be your advice for healing? For some people, it's such a elusive task, right? And and we should say that Shari is a healer. Yes, Shari is a healer. And we're going to obviously give all your info for because I've experienced her work and it's incredible. Thank you. I used to trade my playlist for healing. I would like to (laughs) say that Shari some CDs and (laughs) she'd work on me. (laughs) I would like to say that we need to do that now. You and I need to fly and stay with Shari and have some. She does remote work. 
Uh-huh. I do remote work, but this little office that I'm in is like a little, I transformed this little RV. It's awesome. It's like a little. Yeah. I want to come there. I don't want the remote. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm just close to Sedona. So come on out. Yeah. I mean, I have this, so it's separate from the house, but the message I have is really about the personality, but I will say the personality, you will keep going around in circles to the ever to the day you die. It's about reaching higher into the soul because as a soul, the story that is yours was somehow chosen before. Mm -hmm. It's taking that spiritual responsibility. You chose all those things and to be adopted. And that's my belief to do the work, not just from the psychological point of view, but from just taking that risk and going into the the soul and really hearing the soul, walking in the soul and daring to do that work, to do that spiritual work, because there you're going to find some big freedoms. That's really a good word, daring to do that work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Turning off that chitter chatter in the brain, listening to your heart centered soul. Yeah. Yeah. Soul, spirit. For me, it was the only way out when sometimes I think about what really you know happened to me as a child I'm like god wow that's like crazy I would never treat my worst enemy like that yeah and to think that the place you found shelter and acceptance is a juvenile facility that helped you I mean that's not usually (laughs) yeah I really I swear they were all angels that's nice to hear some of them were like rebels and you know they're in their own right just kind of doing the job because, you know, there was nothing else to do. But (laughs) the majority of them were people like that were, thank you God for this place because it put me in the right direction. Yeah. Celebrated you. Yeah. And saw you. They saw you. And the kids there were all cool. I was like, this is cool. Like they played (laughs) music and we all smoked cigarettes together. (laughs) (laughs) You know, as a kid, I used smoke. Isn't that crazy at 14? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Same. I'll tell you one thing. That was one of the biggest changes in my life when I quit smoking. Yeah. That's when I really started to go into the adoption wound because of, um, I don't know about you, Sarah. Oh yeah. That need to, it was that one thing that was forever there. Exactly. That's how I thought of it. It was, it was a reliable thing. It was my thing. It was my own thing. No one could take that away from me. Yeah. And and then just the way we smoked. All right. <laughs> I mean, if I woke up at three in the morning, I'd light a cigarette. Like totally. oh, think of that. Oh, and it, yeah. I've never met in my life. Anybody who was a hardcore smoker the way I was, except for like, you know, me. <laughs> you <laughs> and, and maybe my, my husband now, he was a big smoker. Oh, he talks he? about, yeah. I was Marlboro Red, like two packs a day, Marlboro Red. Insane. Insane. Crazy. It's great knowing you. And then it's like, yeah, wow. I can't picture either of you doing that now. (laughs) I know. People are like, you have such good skin. I'm like, I drank water all those years. (laughs) Genetics. Thank God. Genetics. Genetics. We will obviously put this in our show notes, but could you tell people where they can find you? Oh, okay. Well, your website. My website is help, H E L P, the number four healing.com. That's my website. And then I'm starting like YouTube 
channel, like with yes, meditation. your meditation so, channel. Tell yeah, people that. I think that's yeah, because it's free. I'm no, putting no, it up there. That. Yeah, just so people can tap into goodness, and that's just my name, Shari Geitzenauer. And then I have a blog, DreamcatcherShari.com. That's a great blog. Yeah, enjoy it. it. Yeah, because I it's kind of like storytelling time, you know. It's yeah, a, and, it's the, written and the very well. YouTube meditation is great too. Thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm just starting, so it's just like getting my confidence with going deeper because it's hard to pick subjects that involve everybody, you know, and don't use words that freak people out or like the universal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah universal. something, and it's trying to find that universal voice where people can just come to for free. Yeah. Like don't even have to get sessions or just to tap into the energy. Cause the energy is all about bringing people into just feeling safe mm-hmm. because there's a million channels they can tap into. And this is safe. We don't want anything from you. Just listen, like it, tell your friend. Yeah. I'm so glad we finally had you on and I think it needed to go this long to, before we had you on it. It's just the perfect moment. It is for us too, because we're growing. Right. And I was thinking back how much Sarah and I have grown over the last two years in this topic. So it's the right, I feel like every time we have an interview, it's the right time to have that interview. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was excited to get up today, which is rare, you know, on a Saturday morning (laughs) this early, (laughs) I was like, Oh, I'm going to see Shari and Sarah. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's a good friend. day. So I love what you girls are doing. It just everyone is just brilliant. I was like, just know that you're doing such a service. I mean, mm-hmm. I feel both of you, just everything is two pillars here. I mean, it's really holding space to heal people. Thank this you. This is healing. I'm like, these girls are are healers. This is <laughs> brilliant. Thank you. I love that. It makes me emotional. <laughs> A lot of people not adopted can relate to a lot of the stuff being said here. Yes. I had a call yesterday from a woman in my writing group who I've never spoken to on the phone who wanted to tell Sarah and I haven't even told her this, that she and her husband are both therapists in their past lives. They're retired now, but listen and have shared it with all these people. And and she wanted to tell me, she called to tell me about it. And I was like, Oh, thank you. And she's like, and I'm not adopted, nor do I know anybody adopted, but we're ex-therapists. So I'm sharing it with my therapist community. Oh, that's um, great. That yeah. is great. It meant a lot. It, yeah. Well, I remember like, when Sarah first was telling me, I just want to get on the road and tell my adoption story. And she didn't know like YouTube or a documentary and it just morphed into this. And I'm like, Wow. Congratulations, mm-hmm. ladies. <laughs> <laughs> we come up we with some good ideas on the road. Yes, yeah, we do. We do still want to get on the road. Uh, we're going to do a road show. A road show. Yeah, we're not gonna, we can't jump the gun yet, but eventually we're going to get yep. on the road to cities and have people come tell their stories live. So Oh, I love that. Well, if you ever down like in Sedona, I think Sedona will be one of our stops. That wouldn't that be nice? Yeah. (laughs) Have lunch and I know (laughs) that would be neat. Actually, all right. Well, this has been awesome. Thank you so much, my dear, dear friend. It was a really good way to start the day with you. Oh, so good to see you all. (laughs) Thank you, Shari. Thank you for telling your story. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad she finally came on. Or we finally had her on. It wasn't like I was asking and she was saying no. It was just. (laughs) 
<laughs> the timing was kind of perfect. It was neat to see her and to remember your friendship because she used to come by the truck and see us. And yeah. you guys were always so close. And, you know, she's such a a spiritual, like as soon as I see her, I feel loved. Like my blood pressure drops. I feel very healed just being with her. She has an energy. She, she does. I mean, I've just known her for so long. I mean, we we bonded like wounded sisters yeah. when we met and we were both kind of lost and, you know, just to see for this long to watch each other mm-hmm. go from where we were to where we are every step of the way. Like we've never been out of touch. I don't think maybe a year or two here and there, but we've always stayed in touch and kept each other. It's always been really real. There's never any, it's just wherever we were, we picked back up. Yeah. It amazing. It wasn't lost on me that you met and you're both adoptees and there was that instant bond. And yet, mm-hmm. The healing doesn't happen when we're young, right? Or yes. it didn't. And so this whole journey, and here we are having her on the podcast and the healing from both of you. It's kind of cool. It's like a life journey that you were meant to be friends. Yes, a hundred percent. Like we were meant to. We kind of met and did the same thing. It's that yeah. sort of, oh, I just get you right away. Even if we don't know each other, you just get each other right away. It's just, I don't know. It right. As soon as you, you hear. Too. Yeah. Somebody, as soon as you hear someone's at, oh, you know, and then you have that immediate. Yeah. And just watching you too, is, it's like seeing childhood. It was neat. I, I love this, this morning with you guys. It was Me wonderful. Too. Well, did well, we say <laughs> another great episode, another great episode. See you next time. See you then. Thanks so much for listening today. And remember, if you'd like to share your stories or suggest any guests for our show, you can find us on all the socials at the making of me podcast. And again, we have a Patreon page so that we can continue to bring these great adoption stories to you. So if you want to find that and donate or contribute in any way, find us at patreon.com searching adoption colon the making of me. Bye. See you next time.